0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
1: Of course, World Cups galore at the moment, including the Rugby League World Cup, and joining us from in Australia is Scotty Sattler to talk that. G'day, Scott. How are you doing? Hello, legends. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And you? How's the uh, rugby league World Cup uh, being? I guess absorbed over in Aussie. I, I, I always get the feeling, particularly around Sydney, that people aren't that bothered outside of the NRL season to follow things like international rugby league.
0: Oh, I think if it's if it's local, um, everyone gets involved, and I suppose that the time difference between England and, and, and our part of the world, Australia, and New Zealand, it doesn't sort of it doesn't sort of suit our hours, does it? To be able to sit up at six or seven o'clock at night and watch the game, so. It's one of those real catch-up World Cups where you wake up at six or seven in the morning. There may be a game still being played at the back end of the game, but there's still a lot of interest over here, especially from a media perspective. Um, on Sports Day each night, we still have plenty to talk about, and a lot of the, the listeners still want to um, give their feedback. Uh, but it's always been, always interesting World Cups. It doesn't matter whether it's rugby union, uh, whether it's cricket, whether it's rugby league, whatever it may be, there'll be you know, one or maybe two upsets. There'll be some blowout scores. There will be some some talent that will emerge, uh, but outside of that, it's playing out the way that we always thought it would be. But this quarterfinal series that starts up this weekend. It's um, it's thrown up a couple of pretty interesting matchups.
1: it has. I'm looking. We'll talk uh, Tonga Samoa um, uh, later. I just wanted to uh, to bring up though the uh, the Kangaroos Lebanon. I mean, you, your boys should should walk this really. But it's interesting to uh, to have a look at the bench options, the interchange. Jack Wyden and Daily Cherry Evans there no real big body on the on the bench with Patrick Carrigan and Reuben Cotter, so uh, what did you make of, of the interchange that Mel named? It seems to be, uh, it's more about speed than size.
0: Yeah, I think he just wants to give his starting, Mel wants to give his starting front rows to try and play as long a game time as possible, um, get some real match fitness under their belt, and many may say they should be match fit anyway, but it's just being able to get out long hours, long minutes, I think, um, long periods of time. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of debate about Ben Hunt not being picked, and your top seventeen not being picked and not being decided on yet. And I don't think it really needs to be decided until the semi final. The Terry Evans is probably the interesting one that i put on the bench to play hooker halves. Uh, if a centre goes down, well then they could they could move Cameron muster out into the centres or they could put Jack White in there. I think that number fourteen jersey is going to be be out of. Uh, it's going to be be out be out of. Uh, uh, Ben Hunt, yeah. uh, Jack Whiten, and Daly Cherry Evans. I think Nathan Cleary will nail down the number seven. But Cherry Evans, to be able to cover that, that hook position, the half position, move Munster out in the centre if you want. If Tedesco goes down, goes down. they can move Munster to the fullback as well. So they're going to be able to carry multiple positions as opposed to Ben Hunt only being able to carry two positions.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, when Ben Hunt was selected for the squad at all, I was surprised, especially when Damien Cook was left sat at home. And, I, and I've kind of got the feeling that Mel was going to select Daly Cherry Evans regardless. Uh, maybe that's a, a bit of my own bias. Maybe it's, you know, last time he coached his team was 2019 and he was the best half option kicking around.
0: Yeah, many tend to think that, yeah, the origin, the win by Queensland plays a huge role, a crucial role. And it does in a sense of combination. But they've been over there long enough to to sort of understand each other's game and they're sort of living each other's pockets every day, you know, so... um, I I don't think it comes down to combinations and origin now. I think it comes down to pure form and which player played the longest throughout the NRL season. And a lot of those are penniless players, of course, and, and, um, you know, South Sydney players and Parramatta players. So they're going to be the ones that are going to battle-hardened and match-worn. So... Now, I think Clear will get the seven, of course. Yeah, Munster holds down the six. And then that number 14 position, who has become a really important parcel of the game. Benny Hunt has tried and tested. You know what you're going to get with him. But sometimes they become the sacrificial lamb as well. Now, they look to other parts and they try and overcomplicate that number 14 jersey, whereas he's just around that number 14 he should probably play the number 14 because they've got enough around to to fill those utility roles if they need to.
1: It's interesting too, seeing Isaiah Yeo being named in the second row, Cameron Murray being named at lock. Um, I, I kind of, I mean, Yo is a, is a great 13 for, for the Panthers. They're the premiers. And Cameron Murray, for me, just gives you a little bit more, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit pace, a little bit uh, more ability to break uh, the defence on the edge. Are, are you surprised to see them named that way around, or do you think it's just on paper and what we'll see on the field will be different?
0: Yeah, it's probably just on paper. Um, if Nathan Cleary's a halfback, Isaiah Yo is always going to be the number 13. That's just what's worth Penrith and it's what's going to work for Australia as well. So, um, But Cameron Murray is one of those loose forwards. You just let him go. Let him roam around the field no matter what he wants to do. He can bob up on the right-hand side if he wants to. He can bob up through the middle of the field, where Isaiah will generally stay around the middle of the field. Wherever the play the ball is, Isaiah won't be far away from it. And whereas Cam you know, Murray is a little bit of a chameleon. You just need to turn into whatever landscape you need to. And, um, it wouldn't surprise me if it plays out that way, um, when the finals, to so the semifinals, finals the if they get through to the final—but um, to be quite honest, it doesn't really make any difference, Ricardo, because they've all got different jersey numbers, so it doesn't matter where they line up on the, on the team sheet. It, it's not really telling you where they're playing, so it's, it's bloody you know, confusing, um, isn't it? Oh, I can't stand it. I hated. I watched that first game, and I, I couldn't understand why Valentine Holmes is a dummy ass so much. So I realised it was Ben Hunt. So. Um, yeah, it's a ridiculous system. Uh, we used to f- follow that system back in the fifties and sixties, where every every tourist had a number, and you just played in that number. It doesn't matter what position you played. So, I know it's. I love tradition. I am a traditionalist, but there's just some things you need to let leave in the in the past. And if you've got a touring number, where you leave it on the jersey or the training shirt, whatever it may be. But you now, if I'm my uh, and I'm going to make my test debut in a World Cup in jersey number twenty-four, I'm a little bit disappointed. So. Um, but I've got to say, I mean, the game against Lebanon, they should get through that one, um, and that means they'll face they'll face the Kiwis. The Kiwis will get through the quarterfinals as well, and the Australians will the Australians will face the Kiwis in the semi-final, and I think the winner comes out of that game.
1: Yeah, I think so too, mate. I, to talking about that Kiwi squad, I uh, scratching my head a little bit about uh, Michael McGuire and his selections as well. Um, I mean. Imagine knows more about rugby league than I do, but for me, Sebastian Chris has been is probably the best centre he, he can call on. But we've got Britt Cora and Isaac Leu playing in the centres in this game.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one, but you know the coaches know what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're discussing this at length. There's a reason, there's a method to the madness behind this. Um, and maybe Sebastian Chris you know, he's going that well, which he has been, that he's uh, he wants to hold him out till the semi final. Yeah, you know, there's there's always that risk of losing some of your strike players and. Britonakora is a tremendous back rower. He'll play in the, in the semi-final no matter what. But uh, maybe you know, Sebastian Chris is one of those players who just wants. He may have a niggling injury. We just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And um, but I, I've got to say that the, the semi-final will be a, a great game. But the quarterfinal, the matchup that we're looking forward to is Sena uh, Sipitau and also the Sikiters Sipitau, the, the two uh, war dancers from Samoa and Tonga in that quarterfinal. I mean. Mm. Samoa have been the underachievers in World Cups for a number of years now. and They should have made a change to their coaching in Matt Parrish many years ago. They didn't. Uh, you reap what you sow. And they've been really disappointing in a lot of World Cups. Uh, a lot of players have come back from their from their campaigns underdone, overweight, and complaints of, you know, not a real professional approach to their rugby league. So I hope that's not the case for NRL clubs when they get their players back. But Samoa can make a huge difference can make a huge statement if they can knock off Tonga, but I think Tonga are just, they're, they're, they're just playing about third gear at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to somebody uh, earlier from the TAB over here about this matchup, um, and I think Tonga probably have Samoa in the forwards, but you know, Tonga have still got that problem, they haven't been able to find, um, you know, a couple of playmakers that can really make them tick, and Samoa do have that, I mean, that could be the difference.
0: Yeah, exactly right, it comes down to the most boring factor of the game, which kicking game and and tonga that's one area that tonga hasn't been able to really really nail as you said ricardo so um but there are ways of doing it you know it's not about length of your kicks it's just about being strategic with your kicking and if you can educate uh the two halves um young katoa um about the strategic kicking um well that can that can play a huge role but you know, Samoa. You can have the best halves in the world, but if you haven't got a forward pack that's willing to roll their sleeves up and and do the hard yards and and not think they're playing Harlem Globetrotter or rugby league, you win the, the the halves. You know, there's no use having the best halves in the comps. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot that goes on between the years with the Samoan team when they get into camp. Um, yeah, for them, it's not about their ability. We all know they've got the ability to possibly win a World Cup somehow, but it's um, you know they're. Their production, their environment. Unfortunately, a lot of those players, and they've got to try and break that cycle soon. so Rugby League.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, you mentioned Matt Parish. I mean, we even heard, I think, after the first game of the tournament, that Toove, uh, Jeff Tuve part of the backroom staff, and there was a uh, apparently a, a bit of a groundswell that there was going to be a mutiny there, and he was going to take them, take over halfway through the tournament. Parish was out. That hasn't happened. But man, there's there's a lot of a lot of leaks coming out of that dressing room, and they're obviously not happy with the setup.
0: No, we've had former players that have, that have um, tried to create a, like Tonga did, an invitational side that eventually overwhelms and takes over. Um, and there's current players that are actually in that squad that have, that have looked for change as well. Matty Johns and Andrew Johns and Sonny Bill Weirs have said that they would coach some uh, Samoan team for free. Um, Matty Parish has been the coach for a while. And what I do know in his defence, Matty Parrish, he has, for more reports, um, invited and introduced some very crucial commercial partners to Samoan Rugby League, which they need. They need the funding. So it goes a long way when you've got a, a person that's not only coaching but also trying to find you know, money to, to keep the program going. So he's done some very good things. Um, but I think it's about time. If they don't beat Tom, I think it's about time. I think Samoan Rugby League are at that stage now where they've, they've got to make a change.
1: What about the Poms? Uh, they, they were impressive against Samoa, first game out but as you said we don't know how, how much Samoa are really playing in that game. Uh, they take on PNG now. How much of a test do you think Papua New Guinea can give them?
0: I think this is the real smoky game. I think they're flying under the radar England a little bit. No one really rates them but they're playing on home soil. I mean they've got the, the home crowd behind them. And they know all those those traditional grounds that they're playing at as well um, so I think they're a real smoky England. I think, you know, if, if they'll play either a Tom or Samoa in the finals so if they beat Papua New Guinea. And there's a chance they could beat one of that, either of those sides as well. I was really impressed. I don't think it was more... I think it was more... Yeah, it was a little bit about Samoa not being psychologically ready for the game and thinking they were going to win that game against England early. Um, but I, I've got to turn my head off England. They are really good, really well prepared by Sean Wayne. He's a tough, old-fashioned coach. So, um, but Papua New Guinea, you've got to be willing to withstand a barrage for the first 20 minutes of the absolute physical brutality that they put you through. If you can get through that first 20 or 30 minutes, well, you should have enough experience to come over the top of them. If you get overwhelmed really early, the Papua New Guineans or they get excited, and when the Papua New Guinean players, the Krummels, get excited, you're in for trouble.
1: Yeah, don't let them get their tails up, right?
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. They're an exciting team to watch. They're, most, you know, they're the most empathetic and giving team in the, in the World Cup as well. they just Beautiful human beings. Their supporters, you know, they're, they're great supporters in the crowd and um, dressed up in, in full tribal gear, and it's just they just bring a great energy to rugby league. I love them.
1: I've got to ask you, Scott, to remove that uh, that green and gold eye patch for just a second. Um, if the kangaroos and the Kiwis do meet in the semi final, uh, looking at those two squads, which way are you leaning?
0: Well, I am, in all in all fairness, I'm I'm actually leaning towards New Zealand at the moment. Um, I think they're a lot more settled. And I'm just a huge fan of Michael Maguire. I just know what he's like as a coach. I know what he's like as a human, loves his players, loves working with players that are are a lot of high energy and high performance, Um, and love that that high-octane elite sort of status of the game. He works very well with those those athletes. At at this stage, I'm I'm leaning towards New Zealand at the moment. I just think they're a little bit more settled in their key positions. In their forward pack... Their forward backs is probably the best forward-back in, in World Rugby League at the moment. So, And they've got the halves to back it up. Now, Jerome Hughes is one of the best half-backs in the comp in those key positions. Joey Manu has probably been the best player of the tournament as well. So at the moment, I'm, I'm hedging my best towards New Zealand.
1: Yeah, mate, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out when those two teams meet, mate. Um, and Scott, you know, you, you talked up uh, Madge there, Michael Maguire. He is a, a you know a very good coach, as we've seen. It didn't go his way at the Tigers. That, I think, said more about uh, the backroom at the Tigers and upstairs at the Tigers than it did about Madge. Do you expect him to land another NL, NRL job before too long?
0: Yeah, he's going back to Canberra as an assistant. Um, which I think is his role moving forward just for the next few years and, and just not be so urgent in getting a head coaching role. He's done a great job with New Zealand. Just do that. and um, But I think if he can come on as some sort of coaching advisor to a to a rookie, I thought the Gold Coast Titans should have grabbed him, to be quite honest. So uh, Justin Holbrook, a, a young, inexperienced coach, really struggled last year and um, last season. I thought that Madge would have been great for him. Just for two years, bring him in, educate Justin Holbrook bring that real hard edge to the playing group as well a lot, make a lot of those hard decisions that uh, Justin Holbrook does want to make and then just float off into the sunset and if another NRL, NRL position becomes available but Michael Maguire like I said yeah, he works with really high elite players you know, high performers you know, the likes of your Inglises and your Burgesses and, and yeah, those players that he had at South when they want to come. you've you got to be willing to work really hard with Michael Maguire and he'll make you into a winner and he'll make you into a representative player as well so and there's, you know, there's only a few clubs there that are willing to go, you know, that extra mile. So, I hope he has fine success. With Ricky is good mate at, um, at Canberra because he'll get another NRL job in the next five years.
1: Yeah, definitely, mate. All right, good stuff, Scott. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Enjoy the uh, quarterfinals this weekend. We'll catch up with you soon, eh? I'm
0: heading to Marlborough for Christmas, and I can't wait. First time in five years.
1: Oh, mate. Well, you know, if you're if you're stuck in Auckland and you need someone to have a beer with, let us know.